I just made a word up. That's so funny. <laughs> we just became a conglomerate. <laughs> Where did that word come from? More than five from? letters. More yeah, than five not, letters. That's, that's, right. that's five syllables. That's more than five letters. My husband works with computers, and that is very different <laughs> than ministry. Yeah. So I can throw something out, and you can say, that's stupid, Kay. We have a severe case of collective ADD. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Community and connection have been vitally important because, you know, if you do it by yourself, it's all your fault. There were 15 of us in a tiny room. With- we have no idea how professional or unprofessional this thing may turn out once we're done with it. Check, check, one, two, is this thing on? Welcome to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations. Equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. My name is Chris Lynch, host of the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. I'm joined this uh, lovely day uh, with, uh, by, uh, joined with, joined by, um, anyway, Laura McLean and Caroline Wood are here with me, uh, two of our <laughs> regulars. Uh, it's good to have you ladies with us. Say hello, ladies. Hello, ladies. There we go. Look at that. Sounds <laughs> fantastic. Like you guys rehearsed that or something. We've done this now 26. We've done this 26 times now. So we're starting to get a rhythm. That's kind of it's kind of scary. Half a year's worth. Maybe we should have a party. It's our half birthday. Okay, Aww. maybe not. I mean, you know, I should have brought a cake, I guess. Huh. We, should, we should have had cakes and 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 you should have um, sent me cake. I know, right? Cakes and uh Birthday hats. Birthday hats and those little blowy things that make yes. that obnoxious noise have been fun. Oh, oh yes. yeah. It's too bad you missed out on that, guys. Um, maybe you're ha- thankful if you're listening and you've got earpod, <laughs> air, AirPods in or something. You're listening and it's like, that would be an obnoxious noise. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking, so we're doing pretty well as a podcast. Speaking of be doing well, that's our conversation <laughs> for today is well-being in ministry. Um, our friend uh, Mark Ostriker Longtime uh, youth ministry guru, man. I hope he listens to this and hears me call him a guru. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he and his organization, the Youth Cartel, just uh, recently uh, released their uh, 2023 uh, youth ministry youth worker well being survey. And so we're going to spend some time today talking about that and, and seeing what it may what it, we might can learn and glean from that to help us and to help you and. Uh, I think you'll see some things in here. You know, we, we try not to just talk youth ministry, even though that's kind of our background. But uh, as always, most of the things that apply in youth ministry are, are will also apply in any other type of ministry. So we're going to have some conversation around that. As we talk about well-being today as a way to kind of jump in and, and open up today, as, as Kay would say, if she were here, our cold open. Um, what tell me, share with the, the, the listeners. For you guys, what's kind of your go-to practice for uh, that, that helps you most in terms of staying sane and and in terms of your well-being as a as a leader in ministry? What would you say is kind of your go-to practice? So for me, I can. Uh, I'm just kind of thinking about like when I notice that the well-being's out of whack, I mean, there's lots of indicators for me, but um, one of those is I'm particularly snippy and irritable with just everything and everyone, which don't ask my family. They might say I'm like that all the time anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They might say I need to check. No, 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 no. But, but for me, that is generally uh, a, a pretty good indicator that, um, 
that I am not paying attention to what I yep. need. And, uh, and so one of those things is my spiritual health and that, you know, generally when I'm like that, I look back and I'm like, well, I have been neglecting my prayer life or my devotional time or whatever that may be. Um, and so keeping track of that kind of stuff for me is very helpful, um, to help hold me accountable and then therefore on track. What's one thing that you tend to like, what's your go-to when you realize you're getting like that, Laura, that you go to that, that helps you kind of re, uh, refocus or re, I don't know, get back to a place of health. Yeah. Kind of- so, so some time by myself to, um, introverts, really- introverts unite, baby. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, which you know nothing about, but, uh, Zero. but yeah, so definitely some time by myself to, um, to really have that chance to focus. Cause, when there are other people around, yep, that's you know that's thrown by the wayside. So yep. um, I can recharge that way, uh, and that's that makes a world of difference. That's good stuff. Good stuff, Caroline. How about you? What's what's kind of your go to practice, or, or like Rora, do you have signs you look for, or and then if you do and, and get that point, how do you reclaim that health, that that well being, that healthy well being? There are, I immediately thought of that too, of the signs that come up and, and my, the first thing I do, I can't jump into all of a sudden, you know, like, uh, if it's physical well-being, all of a sudden doing, you know, running 10 miles or getting on the, the bike for 10 miles or whatever. I have to work up to, to that in, in all those areas that we'll get to. But my number one go-to is time by myself. If I realize I am off-center, then I will go, I retreat, and I'm like, I'll find something to binge. It's got to be, it's like, like I've even got to, it's, it's, I go in the negative, and I got to come up to even before I can do anything to rebuild. Right. That's good. Good Um, Sure. Yeah. It's retreat and binge watch or read. One of the two. Those are the go-tos to get me started. Well, that's interesting. Well, I'll be the outlier here. Um, no surprise <laughs> to anyone. And, and I don't know if this is because, well, I don't think it's as much about my my uh, penchant towards extroversion as much as, or, or if it's just being a man. But I, I, you know, like I'm notorious and Michelle laughs at me, my wife that laughs at me because like when I'll go to the doctor and they'll ask, you know, and it's like, are you feeling, you know, basically what's your body telling you? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. my, I don't listen. I mean, I'd have no idea, you know? And so, and so for me, I don't, I usually don't, don't realize that I'm not in a good place of well-being <laughs> until someone tells me, you know, and that's, like I said, maybe that's the extroversion part to me, but I, I, I don't, I'm just not very self-aware. I've tried. I mean, I, I have gotten, I am more self-aware now um, than I used to be as, as I have matured and, and spent time in ministry and, and have, you know, heard so much in ministry now talks about, you know, self-care and well-being. And, and which is why we see this study now from from the youth cartel, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's talked about. But I, so because of that, I've been a little more aware of it. But it's usually I just kind of I don't know. I'm just wired that way. So but when when I find out that I'm not in a good spot as far as my well-being goes, 
getting away, getting not away, getting out. Um, so in the fall, it's it's going and sitting in a deer stand, you know. And, and then most of the year in, in South Carolina, we're forced up we can go play golf. And so, and it's 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 not so much those activities, but it is. And I guess this is interesting being an extrovert that you got to do those things alone. Now I play golf with friends, and, and that helps too. But just doing something like that 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 is something I enjoy. Uh, and spending time with 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 the family. Um, you know, here's that extrovert me. I'm I'm not one to to really, really be re-energized by by sitting here by myself and meditating. Just not the way I roll. Um, and so, oh, I don't um, meditate. Well, I know, but I, I'm just using that as an, as an example um, of uh, what's of what some what's no, that's okay. Of what some folks do. So, right off the bat, there's some tips. Maybe you know, maybe you can find something as you listen about that. So, in this. Um, to transition to kind of talking about this this uh, youth worker well-being survey uh they youth cartel um i think i saw yeah 304 folks uh all of whom either have been in full-time ministry uh or have left full-time ministry recently have kind of completed this survey it's across um you know it, it actually was 65% of the the respondents were male 35% were gender it was across. They they labeled themselves as either mainline denominational denomination, a non-mainline denomination, uh, a non-denominational or Catholic, and so it was across all the denominational spectrum. Uh, and, and it's some really good information. We'll, we'll post a link to the to the study, uh, how you can get the study or the, the results from the survey and review them yourself. But um, the, the thing that really stuck out to us and, and that was interesting, or, or one of the things that was interesting to us, was that that they kind of uh, looked at six different aspects, I guess, of well-being. Six different, I don't know if you want to say types of well-being is the right word. Uh, and so we want to kind of walk through what those six types of well-being are that they looked at and, and then kind of get some general thoughts about each of those. And then uh, we'll see where we get through this, uh, through this podcast. But the first type of well-being or aspect of well-being they talked about was relational well-being uh just so you know the 64 percent of the respondents uh said their relational well-being was good or excellent and 40 36 percent uh said it was average below average or poor um so the it's actually a the good sign now remember they, they started this this is only i think it's only the second time they've done this uh survey okay. they did it in response to the covid and the the great uh, migration of folks leaving jobs and not being satisfied in their workplace during COVID. So that number actually is up uh, from 55% thought it was good or excellent. Well, any thoughts you guys have on relational well-being, I guess, which is just that idea of, of you know, the, the how you are relationally in the well-being piece. Any thoughts generally speaking about that? Thank you. Well, I think, I think there are a lot of ways to define relational well-being. Yeah. You know, and there, so none of these are easy and one answer kind of things or one off kind of thoughts. So, I mean, like I would have lots of questions how they define it or if you just leave it in general or whatever. So, but I I do think that the, the trend or I don't know if it's a trend technically or anything, but the movement upward to good or excellent certainly gives a nod to the fact that things are more open. Things are, you know, things are, people are out and about. It also gives, makes me think about 
what you indicated, Chris, the great migration in that people are now taking stock of things seem to be and doing things that are more important to them rather than just going through the motions of life. You know, they're make, maybe they're making that a priority to be in relationships um, with others in a great way. It's also a key indicator of happiness, yep. how your time with friends, you know. I'll go ahead here, Laura. Do you have any thoughts about um, about the relational well-being, I thought maybe it would be easier if I read all six of these first, then we could talk about them individually. Yeah, go for that. Okay. Oh, sure. Um, uh, relational well-being was the was was uh, was one of those again. It was up from. So basically, I, I'm, I'm gonna say it's a positive if more folks are good or excellent. And obviously, if we're looking at either good or excellent or uh, or average and below then you know it's good or bad. But as far as relational well-being, it was, was up uh, 9% from last year. Uh, spiritual well-being, uh, good or excellent. Spiritual well-being, 57% of the respondents said they were good or excellent. That's up from 50% in uh, 2022. Physical well-being, good or excellent, only 38%. Um, 62% were average or below. Uh, emotional well-being, and it doesn't say if that was up or down. I'm assuming, oh, it says actually it's almost identical to last year. So no change in physical well-being, emotional well-being, uh, good or excellence, 45%. That's up 5% from last year. Vocational well-being, like the well-being, uh, you, I, I would almost say this is almost like satisfaction in your in your career. Yeah. Uh, good or excellent was 60%. That was up a dramatic 12 points from 2022. And then lastly, financial well-being, good or excellent was 46%. Interestingly enough, financial well-being was the only one that went down from 2022. It was down from 54%. So five out of the six, the good the good news, you want to be the eternal optimist here, which we like being, we like being positive here on the Cultivating Ministry podcast. So, you know, if you look at it, uh, trying to find the positive, the positive is that things are looking better. So overall, we're at a better spot. Um, so what, you know, when you think about any, any of those, what, what jumps out at you of those six things? Uh, those six aspects of well-being as as being surprising or worth talking about. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's good. Well, yeah. I do think the overall trend of it being more positive than last year is yep. is something to note, and I I think exactly what Caroline talked about that um, we've kind of gotten back into a more quote unquote normal, if that's what you want to call it, pre-COVID kind of life, like things are open, people are traveling, people are doing, you know, their kind of stuff, feeling more comfortable doing those kinds of things. Um, so I, I, I think that is a positive. I wonder the, um, the one that I was kind of piqued my interest was vocational uh, well-being because it was yep. up dramatically. Um, yeah. And so I, I would be curious to know if there are a lot of folks, I mean, we know a lot of folks have made a transition out of ministry in the past two years. We know that. right? Um, mm-hmm. And so if part of that is that, so people who were dissatisfied or were in an unhealthy place have taken a step out um, and therefore most likely didn't reply to this. I know they asked people, yep. Uh, who have been involved in ministry within the last two years. So yep. 
Um, but certainly active folks would be the ones that are more likely to, to respond. So I just, I wonder if kind of that, that big turnover has kind of, uh, made for a healthier environment for ministry folks, because maybe people who are already feeling that burnout or the vocational well-being was not in a good place that they, they took that step out. And so that's why we see that dramatic uptick. So basically what you're saying is the ones who are dragging us down left. <laughs> and so now we're, yeah, we got rid of some dead weight. I'm just kidding. If you've left ministry, still leave this podcast, listen to this podcast. You're not dead weight. We're glad you're here. Not even yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I also think too, that Laura. You know, my experience in the last year with in my work with churches has been that that there's a a much you know now that we're I don't want to say through COVID, but the 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 fears of COVID are, are vastly different than they were a year ago mm-hmm. um, because now we know about it and know that it's not you know as well. Anyway, we got vaccines and all that, so it's not as as threat. It's not as big a threat as it was. And so there is a, I feel like there's a positive, there's more of a positive outlook and not a whole, it's, I mean, there's always doom and gloom in the church. Don't get me wrong, sure. <laughs> but there, there is enough positive outlook to where we, that, that there, you don't feel like, you know, to go back to our, uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about, or last episode, we talked about defining success in youth ministry. And, you know, the number one way we do that is numbers. And when COVID hit numbers, we took a dive. And so as numbers are beginning to come back, you're going to feel satisfaction, if that, even if that's the only thing you're measuring, which we talked about how that's not really healthy. But if that is the only thing you're measuring, then you're going to feel you're going to feel more like you're going to feel like you're doing a better job, so to speak. And I wonder how much that speaks to that as well. Um, I, I did I, the, the two things that, the you know, the the physical well-being I thought was very interesting, um, you know, which I guess says maybe was 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 physical well-being actually um, COVID proof, you know. That that it wasn't impacted. I guess in some ways, I for one, I during COVID, I actually exercised more during COVID, yeah, because uh, I had more time, you know. And so maybe that's one part of that too, and maybe that's a good sign that folks maybe developed some habits during COVID fit to, to to take care of themselves physically, and, and have stayed that or, or or follow that through. We talked a little bit about. But, go ahead, Caroline. So I was going to say though that we still got 62% of those who responded that are average, below average, or poor, even though it didn't change in physical well-being. Yes, true. So so while it didn't change, I I wonder if that indicates to me that that's where that's the steady kind of thing in the life of a youth worker is is that physical activity and physical well-being. And to that point, you know, if you look at these percentage wise, that is the lowest. Um, so the only two that are under 50 percent this year overall of good or excellent is is physical well-being and emotional well-being. Everything else. Oh, I'm sorry. Financial well-being is 46 percent. So half of them were still mm-hmm. under 50 percent. Um, half of them were over 50 percent that are excellent or good. Uh, so physical, emotional, and and um, financial are the three that are under fifty percent. We talked about this before we got on, as we were just making a few notes here. You know, the the one that did go down is this idea of financial well being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which which leads to all kinds of. I mean, you could read all kinds of. Uh, uh, you could read into that all, all kinds of ways. Um, any thoughts about 
that that one area of well-being in particular in general about financial well-being oh my gosh so many thoughts it's hard to just have one because uh, you know the underlying issue is um is is really the pay the pay gap from for church staff you yeah. know and youth workers in general i mean he it says in this article that the national average salary is now fifty one thousand, um, which I mean that's a that's a good salary. That's an an okay salary, but um, is do you would but you? I just to- wish as a church that we we valued. Yeah. treating you know taking care of those folks better yep. go ahead laura i'm sorry well, no i was gonna say that fifty one thousand as an average i was surprised by that because yeah at least in our area we don't see that well and the other, certainly not an average and, and the other thing to note too we all come from the United, we all come from the United Methodist church and, and so that's a that's considered a mainline denomination and one of the things it points out was that the financial well-being um the the the, in their conclusions that there was a red flag for mainland denominations because they are significantly uh, paid less in, in, in mainland denominations versus non-mainland denominations, non-denominations and Catholic churches. And so it says in the, in the article, it says, you know, results should be a major red flag for leadership in mainland denominations. It's no secret that generally speaking, youth workers are not well compensated yet, yet much is expected from them. The responses indicate that mainline church youth workers rank themselves much lower in the area of financial well-being. This may partially explain why mainline youth workers are at a higher risk of stepping out of their youth ministry positions. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's I think you're and I, Caroline, you use a word there I think is important to highlight is that it's not just and I think we so often we talk about money, particularly in the church and the ministry. You know, we, we, we have to balance this. We don't want to come across as being greedy. And it's not really about the money. It's about mm-hmm. value. It's about value. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, w- I served a church in, the, in a local church for 16 years and, um, and, and it, I, I was not, I was not making anywhere near 51,000 um, at that point. At that point, the average, the average uh, youth worker, I think in the United Methodist church in the UMC and a study I'd seen, this is back in 2010 or something. It was, it was like $40,000 not in 41,000. I wasn't wow. making that. And I had 16 years experience in a seminary degree, and I went and basically asked my SPRC chair if, if or my liaison said, like, can I at least, can I ask for a raise, at least make, I, th- I think the fact I've been, you know, at this one place, been in ministry for 16 years, have a seminary degree, that makes me at least average, <laughs> you know, and so, <laughs> and, right, and, I, and I'm not great, but I'm at least average, you know. And, and oh my gosh! And the response I got at one point, I'm sat down with the with the SPRC director. He says he said at some point we have to decide what's the most we're willing to pay for this position. And I looked at him and I said, "Are we there?" Ooh. And when I said that, he looked at me like a deer in the headlights. And the other guy spoke up and we moved on. But when he said wow. that, the first thing that popped in my mind was, "I'm no longer valued here." Yep. It wasn't about yeah. me. It was just simply this is it was the position of youth ministry was not valued enough that we were even willing to consider going above a ceiling. And so that was kind of the beginning of me beginning to think about what my next stop might be in ministry and all that. And it wasn't about, again, it wasn't about the dollars. It was about the value. Right. So I think the the key here is if you're a leader, if you're a pastor um, or a church leader, it is to have conversations with your staff about, do they feel valued? And there are other ways beyond compensation 
to to show them value, to make them feel valued. And I think that's a, an important piece as a leader in a church, particularly where there is staff, um, that you can have conversation around uh, around value versus just I want to make more money. Um, and, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and it it makes sense that people are feeling that pressure even more because everything is more expensive than it was, you know, and, and if, if pay is not, if you get a 2% cost of living increase and the cost of living has increased by 7%, that's That's a net loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else, anything else that, that, that worth pointing out that you think is worth sharing? I've got, I've got one more I will say, but I'll I'll use it if you don't have anything else. Well, Chris, I was just going to go back to the financial well-being for a second. And we often, much like you were treated in that situation in the church, we think, well, you know, we want these people to come here and it be a calling and them not not talk about money. And one indicator of value is if as a, a church SPRC or as a, you know, somebody in a position to hire somebody, if we talked about money more then those in those positions wouldn't have to. Yeah, and that's a great point. And like you, like you said, it's about the value of the position. So, um, it, it we don't also we also do not talk about the fact that it is a youth pastor. Yep. So the the youth pastor has a a congregation. Hmm that happened to be a younger demographic than the general population of the church. And their needs are very different. They're teaching, you know, the way we, it, it's, it, well, yeah. you would think, but because I think all ministries, youth ministry, we just come in different sizes and ages. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's a demographic. Of, you started to say something, Chris, go ahead. No, no, I, I, go ahead. Fish your thought. It's fine. I got it. I, I mean, we just don't, in some of the large churches, um, the size of the youth group can be larger than many average churches. Yep. I mean, we have, the average church for us is 50 or less, you know? Yep, yep. Or the number, like in right. that, so I would say the range of, of that size of church so there aren't as many, meaning there aren't as many churches with a thousand people coming as there are with 50 is what I'm trying to say. Yep. And so, but in the smaller churches and in those, we need to think about the fact of, uh, or we need to think about what we're asking youth workers to do and the care and the, you know, it's a, it's a critical time and, in the yep. life of a youth. Um, the thing I was going to say. Enough. Yep. The thing I was going to say, which I, I had not, this is a, a, a crazy, not a crazy, it's a theory that's popping in my head when you were talking about it, it's, it's youth pastor. Is, you know, I wonder, because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, in our, in our UMC world, we typically call them youth directors or student ministries directors or whatever. But like in, in the non mainline denominations, one of the ones that mentions like the Southern Baptist churches. You know, most of the Baptist churches, they'll call their youth director the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder right. if, there's a, if there's a correlation between that title being youth pastor versus youth director and then generally being paid more as youth pastor versus a youth director 
in 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 our in our mainline denominations. That's an interesting thought. I'd love to do. I Maybe mean, I'll call Marco. And say, hey, do this next year and find out if there's a correlation yeah. here. Um, because I'm wondering if there's because I think there's a that is interesting, Chris, and it yeah. and I think it would be I think it'd be worth looking at because it is a different culture. It yep. shifts the hundred percent thinking. About there's it. a there's a whole different world when you think of a pastor versus a director. Yep. I mean, yep. uh, it's a different world. The other thing I want to mention before Just we wrap think about up about a cruise ship. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so the other thing I want to point out, and this is going to, uh, a couple of us on this will be really excited because um, the and one of the other things they, in their conclusion, they talked about was the spiritual well-being. He said, let's hear it for our over, for the over 50 group. Although they represent the second smallest grouping, they, they broke it down into four different age groupings and over 50 was the highest. Uh, it's encouraging that the older youth workers scored highest in spiritual well-being as well as other areas of well-being, including physical well-being. On the flip side, the under 30 group, the smallest group at 14%, uh, ranked themselves lowest in spiritual well-being. A good reminder for youth workers of the importance of tending to your own spiritual feeding. Remaining grounded in Jesus and having honest and safe conversation and accountability friends are both critical in the life of a healthy youth worker. You know, another thing that that in 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 Marco, they the youth cartel is a shameless plug. They do these um, the youth ministry coaching program. They do coaching cohorts around the country. And when when I did that with Marco, um, one of the things I remember them talking about was he talked about the long view of taking the long view of ministry. And you know, and in part of this gets back to that that financial well being and, and other parts of well being, the vocational well being. But you know, it, it's uh, sadly enough, it's come to the point where or not come, it's been the point for a while that the youth ministry becomes a stepping stone. It's like, I'll be, a, I'll start in youth ministry yeah. and I'll move my way up to being a real pastor. And so I think that, yeah. you know, but we, if you can stick, if you can, if you can find enough satisfaction uh, and feel enough value, feel valued enough, then you really begin to reap the benefits when you find youth workers who are seasoned. And I'll use that versus saying old, cause I'm there yeah. now, or at least in two, in two months from tomorrow, I'm there. But I, I and I also think that says from the churches about because I think the the particularly mainline denominations because that's what I'm most familiar with it may happen in others as well but the the theory is when you go to hire a youth minister or youth worker or youth pastor or youth director whatever you call it um, that you got to find find someone who's young and can relate to kids and I think you see yeah. in there that if you hire someone who's older the chance <laughs> of them staying around because they're going to take care of themselves better. Is is important as well. So those are a couple of things that, that jumped out at me, um, as, as far as that goes. Any thoughts about the 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 older or more experienced or seasoned youth workers? Laura, you got anything about that? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's. I think you're spot on there. I, um, how many times have we talked to churches who have said, "Well, we really, you know." to grow our youth group, we really just need a younger person, which is not necessarily a bad thing. A young person is not, it's not in and of itself going to grow your youth group though. Yep. And so you've right. got to pay attention and we've got to pay attention to what we're doing to young folks new in ministry too, because um, we are expecting them to do everything from mop the floor to go to a basketball game to, uh, you know, take care of the nursery on Sunday mornings and lead youth group. And uh, obviously 
something is going to suffer and uh and it's it's going to be the youth worker or well, the, the young person in ministry yeah. so we've and, got and, to care for our folks in ministry and the study speaks to that because it says that the under 30 was the lowest yep. um of, of in terms of spiritual well-being yep. which i love the point they make and we can wrap up here that one of their things was mentoring it says if if, if we're looking at this study right and 50 something's over 50 is the most healthy as far as spiritual well-being uh, and under 30 is the least healthy as far as spiritual well-being. Then the idea of mentoring and connecting older youth workers with younger youth workers uh, could be something that could help t- t- turn that tide. Um, I think that's a really yep. great point. And I think. Good uh, point. Uh, that is a great- yeah. So that's one of the best things I put, they put in there. Any other last thoughts you guys good or anything burning to get out there? If not, then I'll jump to the favorite part. Everyone's favorite part of the, uh, the um, cultivating ministry podcast. If I can find it here, uh, this week's random fact of the week is this: rubber bands, rubber bands will last much longer when they are refrigerated. So you got to take all your rubber bands oh. and, and put them in a the refrigerator. When a rubber band is placed in the fridge, it causes the polymers to relax. This keeps the band from breaking down as fast as it normally does. And let's be honest here. This is pretty important stuff to know because there's nothing worse than having a rubber band snap and popping you on the fingers or on the head or something like that. So I think that's pretty critical yes. work here. I also yeah, think thank you, um, if you're, you're going welcome. to store those in a uh, refrigerator, you need to have a dedicated rubber band refrigerator because I don't want everything to smell like rubber bands. That's really funny. Food. Maybe we Good should start. Point. Maybe office places just not having a refrigerated section for all the rubber bands. <laughs> It's like, hey, we're not about rubber bands. Yes. I, they're over there in the cooler. Here's well, the new wait, why idea. don't they have expiration dates on them? So it would prevent you from snapping yourself. Well, I'm going to be honest, yeah. guys. I, I, number one, A, I can't remember. That's not true. I have right here in my book bag, I have one rubber band that I use consistently, and it holds my big markers out when I go and take newsprint stuff. I have five or six different colored markers. And so I don't have to dig in my book bag to find five or six markers. I have all five minute rubber band, but I don't really use a lot of rubber bands. Number one, I wonder what the market for rubber bands is. And and secondly, <laughs> I I don't, <laughs> I, I it, that's the only one I've ever used for more than, I don't know, six months. You know, it's like yeah. you can't, you can't ever find rubber bands, you know? So, oh, look, Caroline's holding one up. You're that person. I guess, no hair tie. Oh, so that's, that's a whole, that's a whole. So here's the question. Really, what begs to be asked is, do you need to store your hair ties in a refrigerator as well? For no, you, lady folks? you do not. Okay. Nope. Well, I have three daughters. I have three daughters, and lots of folks talk about how socks get lost in the dryers. I bet I have spent, I would, I would, I would shudder at the amount of money that I have spent <laughs> over the last 22 years of having daughters on hair ties. They I bet and walk away. So they do. You they, they really do. It's yeah. like anyway. So yeah. So that's your <laughs> useless information, and, and then our great commentary, which is sometimes funny, sometimes not, and always random. <laughs> so that's what we like doing here on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast, giving you a little bit of random information to go with some helpful stuff as well. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the episode. Uh, hopefully, you're taking away at least one takeaway about uh, well-being. Hopefully, nothing else. I think well-being for me is one of those things that it's just out of sight, out of mind. So hopefully, if nothing else, this will put it back on your front burner for you because it's critically important because 
ultimately you want to be the best version of you you can be for whoever you are in ministry with and to and for. Uh, so hopefully you can find some things that help you out here. If we can help you any any further uh, when it comes to well-being or anything else in ministry, reach out to us. Let us know. We'd love to offer coaching to you or, or consulting or anything like that. You can find out more about Cultivate the Cultivate Group at our website, cultivategroup.org, C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, group.org. Uh, follow us on social media. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did or even if you didn't, um, rate and review it, like it, subscribe, friend it, all those other things that that, that help us out a lot. Um, and share it with a friend today if you, if you enjoy the podcast. Uh, share it with a friend, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, rate, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to connect with you on social media, so follow Cultivate Group, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight group, on Instagram and Facebook. And check out our website at cultivategroup.org. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, group.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.